nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you again for joining us today on Monday, and some of you will be listening to this on podcast. This is actually the last episode of the year of 2019, so I'm very excited about this. And um, also today we're going to be talking, our, our topic today is called Cathware uh, Wearable Solution for Catheter, catheter Wearers. Uh, it's kind of a tongue twister to say. I, I personally hold a special place in my heart for entrepreneurs in general, but an even more special place for this young man, Brian O. Mojico, Mojica, I'm sorry, I'm saying it wrong. Um, he is my guest for this last episode. He has the energy of the ever-ready bunny and the sincerity and compassion of a nurse. And that is exactly what he is, uh, BSN and an RN, uh, but far, far more in addition. He is a veteran. He has trained himself with a wide range of business and healthcare education, which makes him uniquely ready to take this great idea and make it available for those who desperately need it. Catheters uh, of various different kinds and sorts have long been the bane of existence for nurses and patients alike. They come apart at bad times, they uh, can pull out, they uh, just have all kinds of things that can happen. And then if you add in that the, the patient is in their own normal environment and trying to do things that are normal to them, uh, even more difficulties can arise. So uh, Brian has created uh, Cath wear, which is basically underwear, that allows um, these different catheters to be safely protected inside um, this piece of clothing. So um, I I would like him to tell you about what it is that he has invented and how it works and everything along that line. Uh, First, um, I'd like you to help me welcome him. Uh, Brian is, as I said, an inventor and much more. We're going to talk about aspects of healthcare business, providers, and inventors. So, Brian, could you tell us about your very interesting background, including a bit about your military service, and then how did nursing come into your career plans, and will inventing overtake your work as a nurse? So, welcome. Sure. Well, well, thank you for having me on. Um, it's, a, it's an honor to be on this podcast and, and be a part of your vision of pushing nursing innovators up and out uh, in order to, to get the word out for better options for patient care. So I'm very thankful for this time. Um, You're very your, welcome. Your question, no problem. Uh, to get to your, your questions there, I after high school, I went into the United States Air Force. I you know didn't really have much uh, direction as far as career-wise. I knew I didn't want to go to college right away and really squander the opportunity, which I feel like a lot of people do because we're so forced, like after high school, you have to go right into college. And I went into to the military. It was nothing medical that I went in for because I was 17 years old and uh, I was working on the weapon systems on the fighter jets. And I got mm-hmm. to travel the country and uh, different parts of the earth and, and things like that. 
but it was not anything that, that um, I mean, you're not going to re- really be working on fighter jets in the secular world. Um, right. but, but the things that I learned there uh, lasted forever. You know, I always say that there's something that the military does in the life of, of a, a human brain that your parents really can't do. You know, they're mm-hmm. unbiased the way they train you. And uh, mm-hmm. it really helped me to be very detail-oriented, to be accountable. And as we spoke earlier, you know, to really overcome obstacles. And, and certainly I've had to overcome a lot of obstacles in my personal life, but also obstacles in, in within my career. And um, I think as, as you start to overcome those things, I think you get hungry for more. You know, I hated yes. science in high school. I hated the high school period <laughs> you know, by the time I graduated. And I and towards the end of high school, I, my interests were in other things. So I wasn't applying myself. And it wasn't until I left the military after serving one term. And I came home and I set a bunch of short-term goals for myself. And I feel like that was very successful for me. And, you know, sometimes people say, you know, I want to be an astronaut. Well, okay, well, first you have to go to math class, you know. (laughs) And I know for me, (laughs) it's true. It's so true. What I did was I set a bunch of short-term goals for myself when I got out of the military I was 21, and I said that, you know, by 23, I wanted to be enrolled in in some type of class somewhere. Uh, By 25, I wanted to be enrolled in a degree program, and by 27, I wanted to have graduated uh, from Mm -hmm. something. But I didn't know what what I wanted at that time. So I started off uh, in phlebotomy. Somebody had mentioned it to me. And, you know, I remember in my ignorance, right, somebody had said, (laughs) why don't you try phlebotomy? I was like, I don't want to do that. And the guy said to me, I was working in a factory at that time, and the guy said to me, do you even know what that is? And I said, no. <laughs> like, and then I looked into it. He laughed. He's like, you should really look into it. And I looked into it, and it was interesting. It was a great way to get into the medical field. And uh, I went into, I signed up at a, at a community college, and I took my first course in phlebotomy, became a certified uh, phlebotomist, and I got an A. And great. I remember being so excited that I got an A, and it was something that I I hadn't seen an A in in a long time. (laughs) And I saw what I was capable of doing. I saw what I was capable of when I applied myself. So it was like blood in the water, you know, for lack of a better term. And I said, oh, well, now I was in the hospital, you know, and had various jobs within the the phlebotomy profession. I was really good at at, at being a phlebotomist. I was uh, very good. The, patient, the people would call me to, to stick the difficult patients, right? It comes to Brian, I know that you did some, how, how did you get into the business classes and some of the other things and then to the nursing program? Yeah, yeah. Well, once I got into phlebotomy, I saw how radiology, then that's when I got uh, my first-hand view of radiology. That's how I joined mm-hmm. the, uh, the radiology program. I graduated from there at the top of my class, and then I was working in interventional radiology. As I was working in interventional radiology, that was when I had really close uh, working relationships with other nurses. Mm -hmm. And I saw that what they were doing and what I was doing were two totally different things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, it started to grow the desire to want to be with with patients more in an intimate setting, getting into their chart, understanding their medications and their medical history, getting to meet the spouse and the other family members and things of the sort. And I feel like I, I felt like I didn't have that being uh, an, an x-ray tech. 
You know, it was mm-hmm. more just setting up the room and, and, and setting up the sterile tray and meeting the patient, of course. And then once the procedure was done, I didn't see that. That was again. it, yeah. But the nurse, yeah, but the nurse would take the patient to pack you and, you know, they would give report and it was just a totally different experience. And I became really good friends with a male nurse that was working in our department. And, you know, we would take call together. We happened to live nearby each other. We would take call together, drive in together. And it was two totally different jobs. So that's when I said, you know what, I need I need more. And nursing was what answered that for me. It answered mm-hmm. that hunger that I had to be with patients and to spend time with them and, and get involved in helping them. Not that I wasn't right. helping being an x-ray tech, but it just wasn't the same. Right, not the same. So I went back, but... I went, yeah, I went back to school and I uh, got my, my second science degree, my four-year nursing degree, and uh, continued while I was working in interventional radiology. That's where I had the vision for CAFOR. So it, it, really, mm-hmm. it really started to turn out and, and tie itself together. Sure, and then you got some of the other things that pulled together your uh, knowledge of business and some of the other things that, the the key thing here is that in high school and as a young man and probably anxious to be doing something that you can see helping you in the future, um, it's hard to see that math class that you're sitting through and bored to tears, um, how that's going to help you. But so many Mm -hmm. times it seems like as young people get out of high school and then start to get a little, you know, like you said, you can see another job and say, yeah, I could see myself in that position. So I just am always encouraging young people not just to look at the name of a job or a career, but really actually uh, follow somebody and find out, is that something I could actually do that I could see myself in and that I would enjoy? Then you're going back to school with a whole different attitude about it. You're excited. You know you're going to be using this information. You want to be sure you've got it. And it's just a completely different thing. Yeah, and that's a perfect way to describe it. And that's what happened. You know, when you're in high school, right, you're kind of, I hate to say it this way, but it's like you're kind of there against your own free will, right? <laughs> but, but when you're like you're a hostage or whatever. But then when, when you go to college and you really take your time, like I wanted to be in that phlebotomy class. When I started right. seeing the mm-hmm. place of all of the organs inside of the body, I was like, oh, that's cool. I never knew that the liver was there. And, oh, that's right. how that works. Oh, and it was just more. Then I got into radiology. And that's why I graduated at the top of my class in right. my radiology degree and in my nursing right. degree because I got a hold of it. And I just, I just wanted to know more and more and more. Brian, I want to move us on again because this time goes by so fast. So I wanted to. um, Yeah, um, I wanted to check in with you and um, just see. You said that you got the idea for the cathware when you were in the radiology intervention. Um, So I know that you had uh, at least one other um, uh, invention product that you were trying to work on. Do you want to talk just a little bit about that, just for like a minute? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a, a favorite part of my journey because it's a failure, and I think a lot more people identify with our failures. But I, I had a, uh, I have a son, and uh, when he was two months, around one or two months infant, he was having trouble breathing. His nasal passage was really blocked up, and, and we thought that he was going to stop breathing in the middle of the night and that he was going to die. It just sounded like he was struggling so much. So we had a really rough time because we just kept monitoring him. And that, that suction device that they give you in the maternity ward, it just right. wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So I went 
into the operating room and I got a yank hour and I got some tubing and I cut a really long piece and I went home and I used it to remove the mucus, to essentially suck the mucus out of his nose mm-hmm. um, with my mouth in order to get him to breathe and literally slept like a baby, pun intended. Mm. So I started to ask people about inventing stuff and I wanted to put a motor on the end of it. I made the tubing really long so that mm-hmm. you know, no mucus would go on in my mouth or whatever. But I made the, the I wanted to put an, a motor at the end of it and create like a suction device. And I started showing it to different doctors and different uh, people in my life at the time. And I was very discouraged. I was told that it was silly and that it was, wasn't going to sell and that inventing something was really expensive. And, you know, the FDA would never approve it because it's dealing with infants and it's by the nose and things of the sort. Well, I gave up. And a few years later, somebody else invented it and it's on the market <laughs> and it's being sold at Walmart and Target now. Yep. And um, I made a promise to myself that I would never quit a vision again. Good. So that brings us to the cathware. Um, tell a little bit about what does the cathware look like? Essentially, it's like uh, underwear, right? And actually, if anybody yes, is on my host page right now, um, under the guest area, I did put a picture. Uh, it's it's in there as though it's another guest. So just uh, click on the cathware part and you'll be able to see what he's talking about. Well, cathware, it's it's what you said. It's a medical underwear that's designed for patients that require the use of leg bags. It removes the use of the Velcro straps, which become unsanitary, and the elastic straps. And patients wear it in place of their regular underwear. So patients Mm -hmm. that wear a leg bag now, the complications that they have is the bag slides up and down the leg. The plastic, Mm -hmm. the skin creates sweat points, which irritates the skin. Patients over-tighten the straps, which is very, very dangerous because they're not even realizing that the tourniquet-like effect can Mm -hmm. put them at risk for DVTs. Uh, Rashes develop, uh, which are more common, and the embarrassing moments. So what Cathware does is it removes the use of the Velcro straps. And to give a visual, if somebody can't see the image that you have, it's like a pair of biker shorts with pockets on the thighs where the patients Mm -hmm. normally wear the leg bag anyway. And mm-hmm. it has the pouches that hold uh, each pocket up to 600 cc's of, of wow. urine, whether it's bile or whether uh, it's urine. Yeah, the 600 That's ml great. bag is, is, is more common. I know, mm-hmm. I know. Well, some patients wear a 1,000 ml bag, and I'm like, why would you give your patient a liter of fluid to walk yeah, around right. with? Um, yeah, right. You know, but the 600 is standard, so we wanted to make it so that it fits 600 and under. And uh, it has a catheter channel track, which is the X-looking feature in the front of it, and that keeps the tubing concealed and close to the body because a lot of times patients would have the tubing inadvertently pulled, and they'd have to go back into the interventional radiology suite to get the the drain placed. It wouldn't come out of the body, but it would come out of the organ, and it would render it useless. So this has been uh, very successful in uh, decreasing the bag sliding up and down the leg. It decreases the patient's risk of infection. It decreases the patient's risk of DVTs and the more say, common... Say what that is. Not, not everybody knows what the abbreviation is. Can oh, you... The, the, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, the deep vein thrombosis, which is when you mm-hmm. when blood is pooling on the lower extremities, which would happen if you're tightening that over that strap. Right. Patients aren't thinking what we're thinking. They're thinking, I want this thing to stop sliding around, right. so I'm just going to over-tighten it. Right. So um, you had that idea, and, and it's not just for uh, Foley catheters or for the bladder. It's for other things, too. So what other things does it accommodate? Well, it accommodates 
um, nephrostomy tubes, suprapubic tubes, um, biliary drains, and uh, foleys as well. And I designed okay. it that way so that all of the drains were encompassed and it would help us to keep costs down. And this came, the patient that I had a division from, he actually was getting uh, bilateral nephrostomy tubes exchanged. And I was working in the interventional radiology suite. And when I walked in, the patient had his pants down, getting ready to get onto the procedure table. And my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave me a vision for cathware. I went mm. home and I drew it. Now back to my military uh, career, because I have such a high attention to detail, I was able to go home and draw it and draw different angles of it on what I saw in the vision, and then I patented it. Wow. And as we had so, spoken earlier, I had my stepmom building uh, samples for us on our kitchen table with our sewing machine. I went to Walmart. I bought some biker shorts, like you said, or some long men's uh -huh. underwear. I went to the arts and crafts store and, uh, and built it. I found that your invention has a higher probability of success if you can make a prototype for it. Right. Right, and, exactly. Uh, and once I patented it, yeah, then we just had patients wearing it. And it's been a really, that was in 2012 when I had that vision, and we just launched about four months ago. So that's a long, long journey. And I remember back then when I invented it, you know, people were like, oh, wow, you're going you're gonna to be rich. You're like, you're all set. And <laughs> <laughs> I wish somebody yeah. would have came up to me and said, buddy, seven years from now, you're not yeah. even, even going to have launched yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incomprehensible to people. They think it's just get the idea, make something that looks okay. And then suddenly it's just going to be people buying it and it doesn't work that way. We're actually at a good spot here, I think, to take a break. So let's do that. Um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. We're talking about cathware, a great idea, um, or uh, it's a wearable solution for catheter wearers. And I'm here with Brian uh, Mojica. We will be returning in just a few minutes. We've been talking about invention kind of in general, and now more specifically about this particular invention. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back, and thanks for staying with us. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm here today with Brian Mojica. We're talking about cathware, a wearable solution for catheter wearers. Um, Actually, what we're talking about is underwear that is fitted uh, not only to look nice and to be streamlined so that the catheter, the bags that are being held by the the, um, underwear are not visible. And uh, it's just such a great idea, and I am so happy talking with Brian Mojica. He is just uh, an ever-ready bunny, ready to go and really push this um, idea that he has because he is uh, such a compassionate nurse and wants people to be able to have a better experience with those uh, types of things where they have to have a catheter and and they just don't want to have the problems and difficulties that come into it. So uh, Brian just uh, was explaining the cathware and I'd like him to go into a little more detail because he says it took seven years from inception to actually going live about four months ago. Mm -hmm. So tell Mm -hmm. us more about what happened in that, you know, just a little bit on each stage, what happened uh, with that process. Sure. Well, you know, when you invent something and you have a prototype, it's, you know, you have this product now, but now you have to set a business plan, you know, and that was something that I had to identify the the things that I didn't want to do and, and the weaknesses. And my weakness was in right. business because I'm, I wanted to stay on the clinical side, you know, so we didn't have a, a, a business plan or, or anything like that. And I ended up uh, hiring a, a childhood friend of ours. He has his master's in business and administration, and he put the business plan together according to the, the vision that I had and how I saw Catholic mm-hmm. getting onto patients that are struggling with the use of wearing light bags. Okay, so now we have the business plan, and now we have a prototype, and it's still not simple. It's, there's no easy fix, because mm-hmm. now we have to find a manufacturer, and mm-hmm. that took about two and a half years 
to do. Wow. Um, within those seven years, I had to take two years off to deal with some personal things that were going on in my life. And Capua was just sitting on the shelf. And right when mm-hmm. I graduated nursing school was when I picked it back up and uh, just gave it my full attention. You know, so that was one part of the delay. And I think that's also significant because life happens, right? Life happens right. when you're making plans. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to quit because of the first invention that I quit on. So now we had to find these manufacturers. We had sent it to, I don't know, maybe 13, 15 manufacturers across the earth. And, you know, one would have better quality and one didn't make it the right way. And we had to learn the apparel industry, which is, it's not very, very forgiving. And because this is mm-hmm. a medical device and the way that patients need to use it, it has the margin of error is very right. slim. You know, mm-hmm. and the pocket has to sit at a certain height. The catheter channel track has to be so wide. And if you look at catheter, mm-hmm. it doesn't impede the flow of gravity. Everything is always pointing down. So mm-hmm. things like that, finding a manufacturer really, really delayed the process. Because every time we wanted to make a change, it was about 30 days because we mm-hmm. had to send it back to them. Then they needed to put it back into their manufacturing queue or whatever. And then they had to make the change. And then they had to send it back to us. And then we all, the business partners, had to look at it. And that takes a really long time right. to do that. But we had to because it's so impacting for a patient that we didn't want to to skimp, if you will, on the mm-hmm. quality, functionality, and design of right. pathware. You know, because that comes out on the other end launch. of it. Exactly. We did a soft launch in January, and we gave away 500 units for free. We gave some away uh, to the VA healthcare system because we're veterans, uh-huh. so we essentially right. launched it into the VA healthcare system ourselves mm-hmm. and we got we're getting feedback from them oh i don't like this i don't like this so we made a couple of slight changes uh, a centimeter here or there and then we did a full launch about four months ago and um, th- those changes that we made uh, they were they, they were critical you know okay. so you can't rush certain things and i think a lot of times we get on this clock of well this needs to hurry up and it's just mm-hmm. not going to work that way sometimes Right, exactly. So what were some of the things, especially from patients that you heard back, um, especially people that um, were pleased with it? Uh, what kinds of things did they tell you? Well, we realized that this is something that really hits close to home. You know, it's not a, a flashlight that holds a screwdriver style of invention, right. right? And I'm not trying to disparage anybody else's idea because I think every invention helps somebody. But this mm-hmm. one... in in detail, it's something that really hit close to home. So we would find patients either through social media or patients would find us, I should say, through social media or just through word of mouth. I mean, and some people that we gave them to and every prototype that we got, even the ones that, that didn't, that weren't up to specification, we mm-hmm. used it to gain something from it and we would give it away for free mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and ask patients for, for the, the feedback. And, you know, there were people that said my, my family member had stage four cancer and we were able to take one more family vacation. You know, he didn't want to go on the family wow. vacation because of the leg bags, but because of cath where he was able to hide the leg bags and we were able to have one, uh, one last time together. And, you know, even now I kind of get yeah. a little emotional about it because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very special on when you mm-hmm. can impact somebody's life. Like that, you know, when somebody can wear a dress to their daughter's wedding versus having to wear pants, 
you know, mm-hmm. or somebody going to the beach and being able to, to wear shorts and not have to wear sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't gotten any major complaints on the design. I mean, somebody, people have said, you know, the size, the sizes are, are not necessarily uh, beneficial uh, to them the way that we have it charted or some people, everybody has different body habits, right. so, different yeah. body habits. So somebody's, you know, like I'm six foot three, so it always sits above my knees, but somebody that is not six foot three, they say, Oh ah. no, mm-hmm. it's too long for me. But if we made it short, too short, then it wouldn't work the right way. Right. You know, so we had right. to really understand it's like Nike. I don't wear Nike sneakers. You know, I don't, they just don't look right on my feet and I don't really like a lot of their styles. But Nike's doing pretty well without me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's I had to. That was something. That's some. That's some pride that I had to deal with. And I think a lot of times, as a business owner and as an inventor, you think that everyone's going to like it. So you do have to surrender a lot of pride and realize that there's a specific market for your invention, and not everyone is going to be thrilled by it. You know. So there's some patients that have said, "Oh, you know, I I I, I prefer to just." wear the, the leg bag around my leg, it's easy access. What can I say to that? The patient has the right to that. You know, there's some patients that said, oh, I wish it was shorter. You know, what can I say to that? There's mm-hmm. for every one patient that has said, for example, um, you know, that they wish it was shorter, which are not many. There's, you know, 20 or 30 sure. that are return buyers. And and that you would know, have to be, I mean, just like you said, just preference of how things get worn. Mm-hmm. And maybe as you go further, you might be able to have a broader range that covers all of those things. But when you're first starting out, you really have to be hitting that major um, uh, exactly, market in the middle. Exactly. Yep, that's a great point. And that's what we decided. We said, we're going to make it this way to reach this many people, we, we couldn't cater to everybody. It's like you bake a cake. Somebody will say it has too much sugar. Somebody will say it doesn't mm-hmm. have enough sugar. Exactly. Somebody will say it's right. too dry or it's too moist. You right. know, and, um, and that's certainly okay. That's certainly okay. You know, for one of the benefits that I'm really glad with the team that, that I had built for Cathware is that every time there was a delay in the manufacturing process, we always found something to do. And mm-hmm. That's why we're able to be registered with the FDA. We didn't just sit on our hands and say, okay, well, we're just waiting for this prototype to come back. We were setting up the distribution channels. We were, you know, doing trade shows. You know, we were, as as politicians say, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies, if you will. (laughs) And just really getting an understanding from the clinical personnel and, and, and what they saw. And we had mm-hmm. brochures, and we set up the website, and we, we, we are a certified veteran-owned company. We were able to get that. We're covered through Medicare. We have our own mm-hmm. Medicare code that the practitioners can write a script for. And, uh, and physicians fantastic. can write a script for. So there's a lot of things that you can do while there's downtime. And I think that that is a, a very unique skill because a lot of times we're like, well, if I'm not, you know, it's like baking a turkey, right? You're not mm-hmm. going to sit in front of the oven for two, three hours and watch <laughs> it bake. No, you're going to be setting the table, doing the dishes, right. getting the yeah. potatoes done. So when that sure. turkey's done, the whole party is already set. Yep. And it's that's ready to come that together. Thankful. Yes. Yes. And my business partner set all that up. You know, he set a lot of those um, things up. The Medicare was, I didn't even know he was working on it. He presented it to me when he was finished. And right. I thought that was so, so cool to know that he was doing that in all that time. So he and was committed also to your 
business. Mm -hmm. It wasn't his business, but you were like a team. And so he was Mm -hmm. seeing the things his uh, expertise knew. So you really do have Mm -hmm. to surround people with you around you that not only know how to do these things, but have the same passion and caring that you do. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's, he doesn't like my business partner doesn't like anything medical, anything nursing. He doesn't Mm -hmm. know anything about the, the human body, right? Except for what we know of the, the, com- the common things. And that's okay because that's not his strength. That's my strength. Mm-hmm. And my right. weakness is his strength. Like, you know, obviously I've learned a lot of the, the, uh, the business uh, jargon after so many calls that we've been on that I understand now what, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But that's his expertise. And together we work so well together that we've been able now... <laughs> I found a guy to do our marketing and, and he purchases things on Amazon. He has a business on Amazon, another childhood friend selling beauty products and uh-huh. he built an empire doing that. Well, guess what? Hey, can you do this for Capway? Like he, he yeah. loves setting up Amazon accounts and, and getting everything shipped. He set up our mm-hmm. website, you know, so patients can reach us directly and the videos and, and everything. And that was his strength. So I didn't have to really do any of that because I'm not very, you know, technology, uh, right. technologically advanced, if you will. So, Brian, this actually brings up another point. I know when we were talking another time, you had mentioned that, you know, like anybody else, when somebody sees somebody succeed in something, they want to ask, well, how'd you do this? And and so um, I know that you said you had some feedback from people that when you told them you, they needed to get more help and bring in people that knew the things, like you said, that that were not their gifts, um, they responded in kind of a surprising way. Can you just uh, talk just a minute about that and why that doesn't work? With with which part again? Uh, you were saying that people were asking you, they were interested in uh, inventing something or designing something, and, yeah, and you were yeah, saying as right, you told them right. they needed to bring in more people, they didn't want to do that. Yes, well, I had people have reached out to me throughout the life of Cathware and, uh, and most of them nurses, you know, wanting to bring mm-hmm. their idea to market. And I found a very, very uh, disturbing, for lack of a better term, a disturbing trend. And, you know, one person I spoke to said, oh, I have an invention. I said, oh, maybe that's something that you could license. I don't really see that as opening a company because I have another invention outside of Cathware that came after Cathware. That's a surgical mm-hmm. clip that I also... It's also another vision that God gave me, and I built it, and I sold it. I licensed it out because I'm not going to be able to get a stealth mm-hmm. product into an operating room. So I had right. to know that. So when one person in particular approached me, I said, oh, that's probably something that you license. And then I explained to them what licensing was, and their response was, oh, I'm not going to let somebody make millions off of me while I make peanuts. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I asked this person, and I said, well, how much is it making right now? And this person said, well, zero. And I said, well, isn't, isn't something better than zero? And again, how I mentioned pride, right? I think a lot of mm-hmm. times we don't realize, like for me to get my business partner, um, even though he's a childhood friend, he, he's not doing this for free. I had to give up a piece of the company right. to help to, to keep him. You know, the guy right. that does the Amazon, he, yeah, he loves it, but he's not doing it for free. I had to mm-hmm. give him a piece of the company. We have private investors that we needed money to to get the product going. I can't just ask them for the money and say, okay, come back in a couple of years. 
You have right. to give things up. And I think a, mm-hmm. a horrible trend that I'm noticing is that a lot of people have an idea, but they don't want to give up what they have to give up in order to build the team. Mm-hmm. You know, so another yeah. another nurse that I spoke with, you know, is selling and it has brought it to market and is completely overwhelmed to the mm-hmm. point where the invention died. And I right. said to this person, you know, why don't you find somebody to run that area that we were speaking about on the phone that this person didn't want to do anymore that felt like it was exhausting? Mm-hmm. And the response was, is, well, I don't want to give up part of my company. Yeah. But you that actually to. comes back to, you know, the, to. the whole concept, too, Brian, yeah. about how do you um, set a price for it? And anybody who has ever owned a business or, or um, a store or has tried to make money um, selling things to people, uh, you begin to realize that you have to to get the price of the item above your cost levels and even a little bit more than that because you're no longer in a job where you're getting paid for sick time and yeah. vacation time and you know all of the other things so you have to have it at a level that you can pay whoever it is that's helping you uh, pay yourself and all of those things but if you're going into it to become a billionaire you're probably not going to succeed that because that greed is going to yeah. just it's going to squelch it. Yes. Yep. Bravo. Bravo. That's a great point. And that's exactly what, uh, how I, I had ended it, you know, and I said, you need help and you have to give up something, you know, and, and that, and speaking about price, you know, for us, there were people when we got Medicare approved, um, you know, physicians and people at trade shows that we would need, uh, people that own durable medical equipment facilities and things like that. And they would say, oh, if I were you, I'd be charging a hundred dollars for this Medicare. We'll reimburse it. And mm-hmm. I just remember saying to myself, like, this is a vision that God gave me, and it's for patients. What good is it going to give me if I'm sitting, quote-unquote, on a yacht, if patients can't afford it? Like, my right. mother can't afford it. We grew up extremely poor. You know, mm-hmm. my mother couldn't afford a, a $100 underwear, and I know mm-hmm. what that's like to not be able to afford something that you really need. So right. now I'm in a position where I can help people and now my focus is, no, I want to make millions. I don't want to, I'm, obviously, we're in it to make a profit. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're in it to have something where you're able to say, this impacted my life financially. But not, mm-hmm. if, not if patients are still struggling. And that's the greatest thing that nurses have to understand. When you're giving something up, remember, you're not really giving something up. You're actually helping patients by giving something up. Because when you give that up, your vision advances. When you give up a piece of your company, it grows. When it grows and it advances, the profession advances. And nurse inventors advance. But at the end, at the end of it all, patients win. And that's what we're in this for. It's not so Mm -hmm. that we can be nurse innovators and have another title and have our name on a patent and things like that. It's for the patients. Right. That has to be the focal point at all times. Yeah, so um, those are all wonderful uh, things, and those are the things that when I first talked to you, I got really excited about what you're doing, Um, and it's another reason why I love nurses, because generally nurses have these great ideas because we're working with patients, and we see what works and what doesn't work, and um, uh, so to me, it's just uh, the, uh, the added value 
that nurses generally are doing it because they want it to be better. Um, the product either will be better for the patient or pr- better for the, the nurse, or perhaps it will be less expensive or, um, you know, more ecological products, all kinds of different things that nurses look at it from that point of view, as opposed to only looking at it from how much money am I going to make. So yeah. this is another good spot for us to t- uh, take a break. And so we're going to do that. Um, This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm here having a very enjoyable conversation with Brian Mojica, who has invented uh, cathware, which is basically underwear that patients can use um, to collect you know, have their bags that whatever the fluid is that's being collected in them that doesn't show um, that can feel streamlined to them and still be safe and protected. So we will be back in just a couple minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. 
Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back, and thank you again for joining us uh, and staying with us. Um, today, uh, this is Leanne Meyer, and we are Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. We're talking about cathware. And uh, it's the idea of, of making something that solves problems for um, individuals that uh, have health issues that are, are big and are, uh, uh, create a big problem for them. So as nurses, we want to make that better and easier. Uh, a couple of things that comes to my mind, uh, Brian, as we're talking about this, one is um, while you were talking about how this has taken about seven years from the original idea until you actually about four months ago put it out to be sold. And um, in that meantime, I'm guessing that you were still working as a nurse or working in other ways because um, you don't have an income yet on this product. So say a little bit about that as far as what people need to do uh, while they're working on it. Well, that's a, another another great question to to speak on because it is it's a it's a lot of sacrifice in a lot of different areas, and I, you know, I certainly understand that it's it's hard when you when you look at the long road, but everything is you can only as the saying goes, how do you eat an elephant? Well, it's one bite at a time, and a lot of the things that we started with until we were able to get some uh, debt funding and and meeting up with investors and things like that is we had to pay for it out of pocket, you know? So we had to, even when we went to Walmart, we made a promise that we would split everything down the line, even if it was um, something, something simple, even something $30, you know, Mm -hmm. we just put our finances together and that's why it's important to build a team. And you know what? You have to work and you're right. You know, even now I work as a, a visiting nurse and it's, very beneficial for me because if I need to get on a call or, or break away, I have a little more, a little more flexibility right. with my schedule, you know, and I had to position, you know, my wife and, and the kids and my job and really find time to grow the business and make phone calls and, and, and we're doing our own shipping for now and things like that. And it's, it's quite a balance and it's a lot of things that you don't want to do. But when yeah, you, some of them you don't. Yeah. But that happens in nursing, right? Almost any job. There's things that you enjoy doing and things that you don't do. In nursing, often it'll be the paperwork. But, you know, recognizing <laughs> that you just have to find a way to make that interesting for yourself so that you can do those things you do enjoy. Yes, yes. And you know what? It's like it's a great point about, you know, nursing. Like, I mean, when you're a freshman in nursing school, I hated writing care plans. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and then you have to do it for another four years, and, and you, mm-hmm. you hate it, and you complain, and then you got to write papers. But at the end, you're saying, at the end, I'm going to be a nurse. Like, at the end, I'm going to reach my goal. But for right now, i got to make it to anatomy right. physiology one. Exactly. You know? And that's something that, that we need to continue to encourage other nurses is that it's going to take a risk, but the benefit is that patients will have improved quality of life right? because of that risk. 
Yeah, I I got my first taste of this when I started working in uh, St. Paul at a hospital that was near the 3M company. Almost everybody in the world knows about 3M. So they are always inventing different things. Well, uh, there was a nurse that was working at my hospital um, who would come home every day and complaining about runaway IVs and how it just drove her crazy or she'd come in and, and they hadn't run at all. They had gotten stopped for whatever reason. Her husband worked at 3M. He was an engineer and he said, okay, tell me what it is you need to have done. What do you need to have these um, IVs be able to do? And so he uh, invented the first um uh, IV monitor so that it would, you know, put out the right amount of fluid at the right amount of time and have um, all the alarms, etc. And now there's probably hardly a nurse in most of the large hospitals or large countries uh, that are not using some sort of an IV monitor on every single IV they run. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just a, a, a nurse that was disgruntled with a husband who had the, uh, the go-to, the know-how-to-do-that, and put it together. And the funny thing was uh, she loved nursing so much that even when they were making like millions and, and more of dollars, um, she still continued to be a nurse because that was what she truly loved. So we're at that point where I just really would like you to be able to share, you know, if there's one thing that you really want people, nurses and healthcare providers or healthcare inventors around the world, what is the one thing that you really want them to know? And you've got a couple minutes to talk about it. Sure, sure. The one thing that I would want them to know out of everything that we spoke about on this show is, you know, humility is, mm-hmm. is key. And removing the pride of there's certain business decisions that I did not want to make. I was totally against it. I'm like, this is not going to work. But I mm-hmm. surrendered it. I surrendered because I want my team members to grow as well. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. don't let other people in your organization make independent decisions, even if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. then you learn from it and that person grows, your team won't grow. So we have a right. thing, a Catholic that I repeat all the time, there is no quote-unquote CEO. We're we're Mm -hmm. all the CEO. We're all, you know, changing the trash here. You know, we're (laughs) all doing this. And I have a personal policy that the best idea always wins. It's not my idea, but everybody throws their ideas out, and we say which idea is the best, and that's the one that we go with. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times pride gets in the way and titles get in the way and and you can see it. You can see it by, you know, nobody writes, you know, be whatever, so-and-so, RN. It's like MSN, BSN, PhD, uh, you know, all these things because we're so title-driven. We, we mm-hmm. want this recognition. And I get it because, you know, we, in a sense, right, the, the, the life of a human, everybody kind of wants to be recognized. But let's be recognized for advancing the profession through humility. Let's right. be recognized by improving patient care. Like you had just mentioned about that pump um, from, from the 3M, like your invention is going to live way, way beyond you and your nursing career. And that has to exactly. be the ultimate goal is the patients that it's going to impact. And, and a lot, I mean, it's not always peaches and cream, you know, at, at, at Cathware. I mean, a lot of times, you know, a couple of times a week, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in group chats and, you know, we're like, you know, yelling at each other or something's <laughs> late or, or this, mm-hmm. or, you know, sometimes we're on a conference call, you know, and, and 
every, you know, it's a bunch of guys. So we're, we're all, this testosterone is flowing. And you know what? I'm always the one. If I said something wrong that I'll say, and I'll go and I apologize, or you know mm -hmm. what, maybe that wasn't the right idea, or you know what, let's go try it this way. Let's just see what happens. And a lot of the things that have happened at Cathware have been group decisions. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is really, it comes back to, again, what's so important in any work that you're doing is relationships. If you know how to build and strengthen relationships, if you know how to be a trustworthy person and gain trust from other people, as well as being able to trust others too. All of those things are mm -hmm. relational aspects of life that so many people that have more the um, the the nuts and bolts and the um, the intellectual, I guess, part of it, rather than realizing how important it is to have those um, those um, relationships. We actually have to stop here. Um, the show, I have just one more thing I wanted to say to close out the show for the year. So I really want to thank you, Brian. You have been a delightful guest. Um, you're fun and interesting person and then a caring and compassionate yeah, nurse. You. And I think you're going to be a very successful inventor too. So thank you for being on the show. No problem, Emma. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to just advance the nursing profession uh, for you one interview at a time and for me one cathware unit sold at a time. Absolutely, and I wish you well. So you, uh, to, you're welcome. To end this program and the year of 2019, I just wanted to share a few thoughts. So just like uh, it, the world in which we all live, once a nurse, always a nurse, exploring the world of nursing, or OAN, uh, has experienced highs and lows in 2019. Many critical topics, both happy and sad, were covered. Guests from all areas of nursing and healthcare leadership uh, from many areas of the globe shared concerns and hopes that they have. In August, we joined with Abreu Associates to bring Once a Nurse to new audiences through Focus Connections. In October, we launched a new website, onceanurse.com, a blog, and a newsletter with rave reviews and interest, uh, increasing interest in Once a Nurse. November brought the exciting news of 100,000 listeners in over 70 countries and on voiceamerica.com. And as we close this year, there is a lot of excitement for new guests and topics in 2020. Um, I want to uh, share my sincere and deep grateful appreciation to every guest who poured their love of nursing and healthcare in their own practice into the fe their featured episodes. I'm indebted to listeners who came back repeatedly, told colleagues and friends about this unique format. My special gratitude to the listeners and guests who told sponsors and nurse supporters about Once a Nurse. These people are stepping up and recognizing this show through contributions to its success. I look forward to 2020 when we'll have new episodes from conferences around the country promoting many aspects of moving nursing and healthcare forward for the betterment of all humankind. I will speak at some of those conferences. The first is in Minneapolis at Methodist Park Nicollet on January 9th to the 10th of uh, this of 2020, creating an environment to build a better healthcare for women. My big dream for 2010 uh, is 
is that I want to present $200,000 in nursing scholarship money to two worthy organizations through the contributions of like-minded individuals like you, companies and sponsors, angel contributors by December of 2020. Those organizations are Nurses International with Miriam Chickering, CEO, and uh, the new Francis Mackay Nursing Scholarship Fund for Applicants of Color through the University of Minnesota Nursing Program to honor the first African-American graduate in 1932. I look forward to having you and many more nurses, doctors, and all healthcare providers join us in the new year, uh, sharing your great ideas and guests uh, for coming on in future episodes. Make it a great year, and don't let anyone take it away. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.